You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, folks? Welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day, I am Nick Fairby, right for Pittsburgh Source Now, call games at WPTS Radio, and I'm a production assistant at ACC Network. And folks, we have Pitt basketball to talk about today, both the Pitt and Virginia game, but also, as a subsect to that, we also have to talk about Dana O'Neill's piece, how did we even get here with Pitt men's basketball, and what is the future actually look like we will talk about that we will talk about the state of the programming we we will talk about everything and where this thing is going right now all coming up here on locked on pit all right folks welcome to the locked on pit podcast we're talking about Pittman's basketball, a primer on everything. You know, we were going to talk Virginia and all that and, and what happened in this game, and there were a lot of things that happened, but it was a small story, right? And, and the big story, the bigger overall story is what in the world happened to the Pitt basketball program? And we've talked about things of where it is, what Jeff Capel's doing, how to move forward. We've talked about it all. But today in The Athletic, Dana O'Neill, who, who has written a lot of great things about the Big East, that includes Pitt, obviously, going all the way back to those Biggie's days. There's a lot to dissect in her latest article for The Athletic. And she talks about how Pittman's basketball felt. Can it be rebuilt? And most importantly, I, I think there's a few ways of which we can dissect this. How did? I guess the overwhelming question is, how did we get here? How did we get from going to... NCAA tournaments seemingly yearly, and it being a a yearly tradition to hear the Panthers' name called on Selection Sunday, to now Pitt just hoping to get a bid to the CBI. I mean, that's where Pitt's at right now. They're trying to get to the CBI. They're trying to get to the NIT. Pitt doesn't have anything in terms of postseason success. They're a cellar dweller in the ACC and there's really no hope in terms of turning this ship around right now. You know, people thought maybe this was happening last year. Maybe Capel was turning things around. Then the, the floor fell out from under him. Chemistry issues began to arise. And everything is touched on here from, you know, Scotty Reynolds's big shot starting the demise to the exit of Jamie Dixon to the hiring of Kevin Stalins to the hire of Jeff Capel to what transpired last year between Justin Champagnati's Tony and Xavier Johnson, to Ithiel Horton. I mean, everything that has happened to this really proud program over the past decade and a half, right, since that Scotty Reynolds shot, has been just documented. And, and so I think there are some arguments it brings up and some, some factoids that I think, I, I think are very interesting. If you ask me, I guess, even after reading the article, before the article, I, I think a lot of it, you know, reinforced my idea uh, that Pitt... There are many, many reasons why Pitt men's basketball is not in, in the place it once was. For one, and, and I think this, for one, I think that this is a team that is has always been a fragile program. I don't think Pitt 
has ever been this historical titan. And it's never been in a place where it felt like it could be that consistent historical titan. So when you get a, a level of success that's so consistent, you have to you have to cradle that. And O'Neill talks about this, uh, as, as how important it is to not overlook the success. And I think people overlooked that in the Dixon era, from, the, from Howland to Dixon. I think people overlooked it. And I think it was something that when, when you look at overall, this was a team that overachieved in terms of where the program is placed. You know, the, the homegrown talent in Pittsburgh in terms of basketball talent, it's not really there. You know, Western PA is a football town. And Western PA produces a ton of football talent, at least back in the, these days. You know, producing them here and now, it's a little spotty, admittedly. But the Pittsburgh region produced a ton of football athletes. And it felt like every good basketball player that played in Pittsburgh got pushed to football. And so there's that. This is not a naturally, you know, in your own backyard, Pitt's not a naturally re- rich recruiting area. It's just not. And, and so you don't have a ton of guys with that hometown fever. You don't have a ton of guys that come, that come and dream of playing for Pitt basketball. And so there was a pipeline that Pitt established, the Jersey and the New York pipeline, and also the Philly pipeline to a degree. You know, the, the Ashton Gibbses, um, Levance Fields, just all these guys. And when there was the occasional hometown guy, right, a DeWan Blair, they got him. And, and so that, that was the difference in all of this is that there was a real method to the madness of Jamie Dixon and, of course, Ben Howland. And they were targeting under-recruited guys that fit a model, that fit a tough model. Pitt, most importantly, had identity. So when we look at O'Neill's arguments of why this happened and, and kind of the story around it, you know, she spotlights the, the move from the ACC to the bit from the Big East. And I take contentious kind of umbrage to that statement for a few reasons. Because, you know, you can't make out the move to be the one thing. I think it's a part of it, and it's a part of it you have to consider. Because the fact that you can't sell playing in the Big East anymore, and you can't sell that to those NYC, Philly, uh, D.C., and New Jersey kids as much, the fact that you can't do that, it hurts the recruiting pipeline. It absolutely does. And we have to take that into consideration. You 100% have to. But let's also understand this. In that there are many different things that, that hurt this program. For one, when that dried up, when the well dried up, Jamie Dixon wasn't able to readjust. He wasn't able to readjust his recruiting strategy. When he took that rung up, he wasn't able to land the kids. And why was that? I think there's a big part that, that a lot of people don't understand in that I don't think that Dixon got the proper support from administration. When you have guys like Scott Barnes underlying the guy, trying to get him out, you know, he didn't have elite facilities. He didn't. By the time Dixon was leaving Pitt, the Pitt facilities were already outdated and they had been usurped by many programs around the country. And that's one thing Jeff Capel came in and fixed, right? He wasn't getting the proper support. To get that recruiting boost. When you go to the ACC, you need to have ACC-level facilities. Now, it's not that they didn't have ACC-level facilities, but they were not in the premier level of the ACC. And that Pitt's still fighting that fight. 
but they're getting up there, and Pitt's starting to at least get to that level. He didn't really have the administration backing. And so when the, when the expectation was to get the Final Fours, you have to back that with something up. And when you don't get Ken Birch and Stephen Adams to pan out because they hate the place and they, they leave early, and you can't recover because you, quite honestly, don't have the recruiting resources to do so, it's honestly a question of, what are you doing? What are you doing to help Dixon? And I think that that organizational support was lacking for him. It was lacking within the program. And, and that that's something that I think people will underlook. I also think when you fire Dixon, and, and, and do it as you will, listen, he wasn't recruiting as well as he once was. Pitt was on the downswing in terms of their, their longevity. It felt like things were starting to fall out from under him. The recruiting simply was not good. And it easily, I mean, if you keep Dixon, maybe he can stabilize things. But you can easily see the path to where it just bottoms out for him. And there's more to that than just moving to the ACC. And part of that, yes, part of that is, of course, the drying up of the, of the recruiting pipeline in New York City. But another part of that is inability to create new sources. It's not like there isn't isn't sources that want to come to Pitt. They were an ACC team. The ACC was the Paramount Basketball Conference. So let's not let's not understate that here. There are easily players from Virginia, from the Carolinas, from Florida, from other places that you can go out and get and sell on the ACC vision. It can happen. There are real pipelines in those areas, and. Pitt was, a ta- Pitt was a program that was in an area where they were a consistent tournament team. That's something you can sell them on. You can sell them on the success and development of your players. It's certainly something that you can sell them on, and you should have sold them on. And you didn't also give Dixon the type of recruiting infrastructure he should have had. So that's, I think, something that's overlooked in terms of the fall. And, and I don't particularly 100% agree that just moving from the ACC to the Big East... I think obviously the Stallings hire, and we'll talk about that, was another big big reason here. The whole debacle between Barnes and, and Stallings and the search firm and everything was, I think, perhaps, you know, Dixon had this thing going downhill a little bit, but when you really look at what the death knell was, it was that hire. And we'll talk about that, and, and we will, because it, it's, I think, the most important thing in kind of this web is that Stallings hire. Why it happened, how it happened. It was terrible. But first, let me let you know about NetSuite. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours, but on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of the competition. 93% of survey businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite for the new year. NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked. Head to netsuite.com slash locked for the special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. netsuite.com slash locked.
in the athletic because I think this move from the Big East to the ACC, there are reasons why it was done, right? And and this is where I think I I disagree most most with the article. The the move had to be made, quite simply put. Like if you looked around and you saw the you should have seen the writing on the wall. As Pitt as Pitt, you know, a team that quite honestly needed to be in a major conference to to keep their validity, to keep their athletic validity. This was a university that saw the writing on the wall and rightfully so. There were teams that had already left the Big East. There were teams that were going to leave the Big East. This thing was not lasting much longer. I think that's something that can be overlooked. If Pitt doesn't go to the ACC when they offer it, where do they actually end up? Does the Big Ten call? I don't think that's a certain thing. Big 12 call? I don't know, maybe. Does the AAC call? Yes. Does Pitt want to be playing in the AAC? Because if you are relegated to AAC life, you're out of the Power Five, you're in the group of five, and you are essentially a tier down. And it's quite simple. In every sport, in every single sport, you are a tier down. And that's something that, as a university in athletics, you want to rake in the profits. It, it's more, you, you get more out of it. You get more fan interest. You get more everything. Pitt needed to be a Power 5 conference. It needed to be in a Power 5 conference. And the ACC move had to be made. They offered it. They had good deals. You joined a premier football conference. You joined a premier basketball conference. The, the makings were there. It was of everything. And and then, you know, I think O'Neill's point about how athletics as a whole pit have not improved. I completely disagree with that. I think that the move to the ACC has been largely beneficial to pit athletics in a very good way. They've been there for almost a decade now. And listen, I get it that pit men's basketball has completely cratered. And, and they have completely fallen to rock bottom. But this is not, and I mean it. This is not the 100% only thing you have to worry about. You know, yes, I get it. They sacrificed the basketball program to a degree because, again, they washed up that recruiting pipeline. They didn't give them the recruiting infrastructure. That all went to football. So you look at what happened there, and it's obvious. It's obviously very important. Talk about that. But Pitt has had better success in their athletics at any point, pretty much, in their history as an athletic department, as a university that sponsors athletics, this is one of the most prosperous eras, if not the most prosperous era for the Pitt Panthers. Look at football. Football has 100% improved since getting out of the Big East. 100%. And, and that's something you can't overlook. Just won an ACC title have gone up in terms of, of prestige, it's on the upswing. It needed a little bit, but you brought stability to the program, and Pitt, all of a sudden, they're really starting to feel it. And that's important. The one, the one sport, I don't care what university you are, I don't care. You are picking football over basketball. There are a few universities that would not do that. And they are Villanova, Gonzaga, Marquette, teams like that. They would pick basketball because those are their money sports. But football is Pitt's main breadwinner. And let's not overlook that. Men's basketball, is it a breadwinner? Yes. 
not so more than football. And having a top football program, which it looks like they are potentially on their way to, more important. You look at other athletics around the Pitt campus. Pitt volleyball went to the Final Four. Pitt men's soccer went to the Final Four. Pitt women's soccer is better than it's ever been. That was that was a program that was never, it, I mean never good. It, Randy Waldrum has them essentially on the verge of potentially bringing through in an elite ACC. So that's on the upswing. Wrestling's doing fantastic. Every single program, baseball's having their best, had their best year last year, narrowly missing the College World Series. That's something to, to talk about. Narrowly missing that. They have enough money to start up a lacrosse program. They're able to give new infrastructure to all the Olympic sports. To track and field. A new facility of the band. They're going to have a volleyball, gymnastics, and wrestling arena. You look at basically all the athletics have been upward swing. You know, softball was really good for a little bit there. And they're going through a little bit of a transition period right now. But pit softball was plenty good. There is a lot of good that happened. This athletics program is better than it maybe has ever been. And that move to the ACC is why. The real cause, it, is, it's not a, it, it was a trade-off, essentially. It was a trade-off for Pitt. Pitt needed to send themselves to a Power 5 conference, and the ACC came knocking, and they took it. And that's something to look at. Because this has gone from a school that was only good at Pitt men's basketball, it was only good at men's basketball, to a school that now is good at just about everything. And that's something to note. That's very important for Pitt. Very important. And now, basically, the big thing is, it's the Stallings hire. The Stallings hire is 100% the biggest reason why Pitt has been able to, to just bury itself it has just absolutely catapulted this program into the depths of hell. And, and that's the biggest reason why. This shady hire, no one expected it. Everyone thought it was bad. I I, I think, you know, this the shadiness behind it, essentially Barnes doing his friend a favor in terms of hiring Stallings. There was a quote that said Stallings was worrying about his buyout after losing a basketball game. Plunging a team that had reached the tournament to 0-18 in the conference in, in two seasons is impressive. It was a terrible hire. It completely killed the program. It completely killed the prestige of the program. And when you are a program as fragile as Pitt men's basketball is, that's what happens. And so, it's a tough one. The stalling tire was 100% the reason why. You could have gotten a quality coach there. You could have. You could have hired someone that had infrastructure or had Dixon roots, right? You could have hired Brandon Knight, for example. Everyone wanted Brandon Knight. But it's not like Pitt wasn't a, a job that could have been at least attractive. It wasn't a perfect job, but it was a job that had prestige. It was a job that had legit cred to it. Yeah, it needed a little bit of heavy lifting with, with the facilities you needed to give the new coach a little bit more recruiting infrastructure behind him. But it was a job that maybe you have a down year, but you can sell people on the vision. Hey, we are a we are a a tradition. Pitt men's basketball is a tradition. There is things to come here. We can sell you on that. This the ACC is a premier conference, and Pitt has already done it in the Big East. Why not in the ACC? There are recruiting pitches 
to give to recruits. But doing it with Stallings, it completely killed any buzz this program had. It made it look like the boogeyman. No one wanted to come play here. The fans essentially lost faith in it. And now what was honestly, to be quite honest with you, one of the hottest commodities in Pittsburgh is now a laughingstock. And that's how that happened. It was a disgraceful hire. It was a disastrous campaign. It was a disastrous move. It killed the program. That's what killed the program. Now, the question has to be after that, how does Pitt get there? Because Jeff Capel's been a complicated hire, and they really couldn't have hoped for much better than Capel. But we'll talk about that. But first, let me let you know about Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit podcast here. Still talking about kind of where we got here. And, and this o- Dan O'Neill article really kind of sparked this in my mind because I think it, it's just so poignant. And I I, I kind of marked that where I disagreed with her, but I think that, that you look at Jeff Capel's resume and what happened here, and I think there was a takeaway coming out of this where it was pretty clear Capel's going to stay. Heather Like painting Jeff Capel in a good light saying they that she wants stability. She wants stability in this program. That she believes that this is a, a a program that needs that same stability, that same nurturing factor that Pitt football got under Pat Narduzzi. And so she's I don't think she's going away from Jeff Capel. Jeff Capel's at the very least getting another year. And that's something to really take note of. So now this is something that you can go forward with, right? So you can go forward, essentially, with looking at this program as a Jeff Capel-led program. And it's something to absolutely consider. And here's the thing. When every other sport is doing well, it's hard to be a little upset. But you have to be, because Pitt men's basketball is is such a traditional sport, and Pitt fans are growing apathetic. And I think that's the thing. You have apathy setting it. It's not just being disappointed anymore. You have people that cared that were diehard fans not caring anymore. And that's what you don't want. Apathy means you can lose fans. And that's the last thing you want. Because even when you're good, if fans get apathetic and move elsewhere, doesn't matter how good you get, they ain't coming back. And so that's something to note here. It's it's definitely something to note. But Capel, man, tough. I've talked about this before. He's in a tough spot. In tonight's loss to Virginia, you know, it felt like a game where pitches can't stack things. They haven't been able to do it all year. This was a bad loss for Pitt. It was. You needed this win. You really did. And if you're Pitt, you need to stack things. Somehow, you have to get something going. 
Being Louisville by 10 plus is a nice start. But losing to Virginia, a team that you almost beat. And really, to be quite honest with you, in the era where where Pitt was fighting for their lives and Pitt is, and Jeff Capel was fighting for his job and, and now that's clearly an illusion. It's not happening, right? Now we can see that Capel's going to be back and this team's fighting hard and this team's probably better than they should be, to be quite honest. It could be a disaster. This team could have gone winless, but Jeff Capel actually has them playing better than they probably should be. This was a kind of a game that just encapsulated everything, though. Not coming up in the big moments. Taking bad shots. The zone defense breaking down. You know, not getting John Hughley a touch, really, in the last seven minutes. There was so much. So much that Pitt could have done to win this game. <laughs> but it felt like, ever since Stallings came on, this felt like something that that just encapsulated Pitt basketball. And Jeff Capel was a good hire. But the biggest thing that I think I came away from that article was, I think Capel overestimated how easy this was. He thought it would be easy. He thought this would be an easy turnaround with the program traditions. And maybe if they had hired him in 2018, it would have been. But, no. Not not, not this time around. You know? If they had hired him after Dixon was fired, maybe. But, this, this program had a bad stink on it. And let, let's be real about that. It has a bad stink on it now. Even with Capel there. And what happened with Champagny, Tony, and Johnson? I mean, it's completely out of his hands. I don't know what else he's supposed to do there. You really can't get involved in personal business like that. As a coach. You can't police your, your players, right? You can do it when you're around them, but it's not. you can't be their, their overbearing lord. It just it can't happen. And so, I feel for Jeff Capel. I do. I feel for Jeff Capel because I think he's had a lot of bad breaks. I really do. And I can see him giving it his all. I can see this team fighting for him. You know, I can see a path to where Jeff Capel turns this ship around. I, I saw it. He he had it. He had the talent to do it last year. What if Hughley doesn't get arrested and, and he misses the whole year? What 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 if this envy that Johnson and Tony had for Champagny didn't completely spiral out of control and just destroy the future. What I mean, what happens in that case? There are so many what ifs, and Jeff Capel has just had so many things that are like, my goodness, you have to feel bad for the guy at some point. The question is, is he a viable candidate to turn this thing around? At this point, I don't know. I get the stability argument. He has Marlon Barnes committed, but that's in 2023. He needs something to go with. And I keep saying this. Something has to go here for 2022. You have to get something going. It could be a high-profile transfer, but this team can't crater out either. This team has to continue to play good. This team has to continue to fight hard. This team has to continue to fill out this entire season. They can't crater out. They have to be competitive. And that's the biggest thing. I mean, it really is. Like, seriously. This is not a program that's in the right place. It doesn't look like a program that's ready to get turned around anytime soon. They might need a new coach to do it. And you feel for Jeff Capel. But they got here through a lot of bad decisions. 
decisions that were necessary for the rest of the athletic department, unfortunately. And they got here through, you know, an athletic director doing a favor for his friend. And now they're trying to support Jeff Capel as much as he can. But maybe it's just about finding that right coach. And there are places that shouldn't be winning. Like West Virginia, what do they have over Pitt? What do they have? It's Bob Huggins. I'll tell you what it is. It's Bob Huggins. And so Pitt, they need to find the right man. Is Jeff Capel the right man? Maybe. But until they find that right man, it's not going to be turned around. But I'll tell you this. I think they can. And I, I think that this is a... This is not a people. I see a lot of people saying this will never be a program someone wins at. This program can be won at. It's not impossible. It's not easy. I'll tell you that. It's not easy, but it's not impossible. And that's kind of the whole thing about this. And and that's the, the bottom line. People, you can't win in this university. It's not easy. You have to establish identity. And I do like that Capel was starting to establish that identity. And maybe he can sell recruits on that identity. And that's what he's going to have to do as he moves forward. All right, folks, thanks for listening to this episode of Locked on Pitt. I'll have Ian Cummings on tomorrow. We'll talk NFL draft prospects from Pitt, Kenny Pickett, all these guys that are going to the draft. We'll talk their stock and what they can do to improve it from here on out. So as always, thanks for listening, and hail to Pitt.